Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. Should we just become best friends? Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. All right, let's do it. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, we're talking COVID again. We're talking vaccines. Got to have the kids. Got to have them. They're mm-hmm. going to go to school. That's what the CDC's talking about here. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. And you've got the Pfizer CEO saying one thing. Now, David, the Moderna CEO is saying what? Yeah, the head of uh, Moderna says a lot of people won't need to get COVID boosters. It's not like a life or death thing, which what? is definitely at odds with what the U.S. medical establishment is saying. But not really everyday doctors. Not not my doctor. My doctor's like, hey, if you want it, you can get it. But uh, whatever. Pediatrician for my kids. If you want them to get it, we'll give them to it. We'll give the vaccine to your kids. But we're not going to make you do it. We're not going to judge you if you don't. But if you were to pay attention to TV doctors and, you know, the CDC, you're basically uh, killing grandma if you don't get these boosters or you're killing your children if you don't get these boosters. Can I tell you what's amazing about what you just said? What's that? The doctor says to you, well, you're the parent. If you decide your kid needs a shot, go ahead, get the shot. But, you know, I'm not going to recommend it. If your kid wants to change gender, they don't have to let you know, though. (laughs) Right. In some places. To get a freaking COVID shot, I... You know, I know. Let's get parental, you know, okay. Well, they're trying to bypass that and say, well, if your kid wants to go to school, they're going to have to get vaccinated. Nuts. The Omicron vaccine. So, Stefan Bansell, uh, that's the CEO of uh, Moderna, was speaking to Yahoo Finance, and he says, hey, this is probably going to be more like the annual flu shot, where the key is going to be targeting people at a high risk, but everybody else, eh, do it if you want to, whatever. Okay. You you might want it to protect other people. You might want it because you don't want to get sick and miss work or miss vacation or so on. But I think it's going to be very similar to flu, where people above 50 years of age, people with comorbidity, people with cancer and other conditions, you know, transplants, uh, and people that are younger are uh, going to have to decide for themselves what they want to do. <laughs> Anti-vaxxer! Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, the head of Moderna <laughs> saying, yeah, people under 50 are... You're going to have to make that personal judgment call, which is common right. sense. I mean, that yes, yeah, it's your personal judgment. If you think, hey, you know, I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get laid up. Maybe this will help for a little while if there's a spike coming. Uh, whatever. I might do it, might not do it. Other countries have already said this. Mm-hmm. Denmark being the first that I could remember. So it's in some ways not new news, but to have the CEO of Moderna say it. Yeah. As our CDC is talking about having the kids get vaccinated in order to go to school. They're not allowed to school unless they get it. That's insane. Yeah. Notice he said it after they pocketed 100,000 right. gazillion dollars, too. Well, sure. Now but, he tells us. But at the same time, I mean, the CEO of Pfizer uh, right. just this week was saying, hey, look, I got COVID after getting my booster, and then I got COVID again. Because I couldn't get a booster because I just had COVID, and that means you need to get more shots. At least this guy's employing yeah. some level of common sense. Yes. You get some points for that. I'll cut him a break on that one. Okay. But to just keep going, and with the lie in the CDC, we'll see what happens with that more on that a little bit later. Um, one thing that would be a good idea right now, 
uh, before the midterms. How about some more uh, oil from the reserve? Lower those prices. Great idea. We got one more shot. Desperation to get yeah. some votes here. Yeah, 10 to 15 million more barrels of oil out of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. That's the plan from the White House to try to push down the price of gas as much as possible heading into the midterms. And they're going to get an assist because investors are worried about a deep recession now. And so that has caused oil prices to go even lower. Uh, in other words, the president, though, is putting our national security at risk to try to win elections. Which, if that's not an impeachable offense, I don't know what is. Exactly. He, he does that stuff all the time yeah. with different issues, in my opinion. Now, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre says, well, this is about Putin's price hike. Okay. Okay. I jokingly brought up Putin's price hike yesterday yeah. because they went with that for a while and it just got no traction because people knew it was full of crap. But they brought it back? Yes, they have. Okay. Look, the president, I, I would say to, this to, to folks, um, should the president not do everything that he can to lower prices? Uh, should he not continue to keep his prime, promise to give American people a little bit of breathing room? You know, that's the promise that he's made. Should he not do that? And so that's what you're seeing right now. Uh, this is something that he has done throughout the summer. Uh, this is something that he has done uh, to address Putin's price hike. Uh, <laughs> and this is something that he has done to meet the global challenges uh, that are in front of us. Makes me want to puke. Dude, you also sold a whole lot from the reserve to China. Mm -hmm. Who wants to take us out, by the way? Okay, maybe there would be some more in the reserve if you didn't do those things or use this in a way that it's not built to be used. The whole reserve. It's the lowest now that it's been since, what, 1984? Yeah. I mean, this it's, is... This is dangerous Again, and stuff. you're not talking about it. it's going to save you a buck a gallon. No. Was it 10 cents maybe? Maybe 10 cents, yeah. And, and that depends on how much it offsets what OPEC has done with cutting oil off the market. So you go on bended knee to Saudi Arabia, please get us some more oil. I don't think so. Well, there's going to be repercussions for that. And then Saudi Arabia comes out and says, you know what uh, your administration said to us? Hey, could you hold off? On our plan until after the election? Isn't that trying to influence the outcome of an election from oh. the administration? Oh, sure it is. And it's a quid pro quo from a foreign government because they were talking about potentially stopping some arms sales to Saudi Arabia, which is like actually worse than what President Trump did with Ukraine a couple of years ago. It's so frustrating. I think we're just all hoping in another three weeks. We're going to have a whole lot more hope than we have right now about the future of where we're going with the country. It's, I hope you're right, man. Dude, I mean, I don't I mean all indicators are good, but wow. But in all of our lifetimes, have you seen a country go downhill as quick as we've gone in the last year and a half? No, never. Not ever. No. In our lifetime. Not in my country, anyway. No. Man. Um, David, you have fresh audio from the vice president. Uh, yeah. Well, Kamala Harris, she was asked um, what her favorite part of the Inflation Reduction Act was. What? And she referred to her notes and had this to say about what she likes the most about the Inflation Reduction Act. Well, I certainly hope it's something that reduced inflation because oh. that's what it was supposed to be about, right? No, that's not what the Inflation Reduction Act actually 
did. It well, was, I know that. It was yeah. all green weenie stuff, but they <laughs> called it the Inflation Reduction Act, and it was supposed to reduce inflation. That's what they sold to people. All right, go ahead. Where's the Kamala? So, I mean, so much. So much. I'm... Uh, one of the things that I'm very excited about is what we have been doing in terms of electric vehicles. Um, and I have a particular fondness, I must tell you, for electric school buses. I love electric school buses. <laughs> Just real quick, I want to paint the picture here. Okay. Because this is a, this is a gimme, right? So the, the person on stage is asking her, this great inflation reduction act. What is your favorite part of it? <laughs> this is something that if you're the vice president or really any politician who was pushing this garbage, mm -hmm. you should be able to have something off the top of your head, right? Be able to say, well, my favorite part is X, Y, or Z, right? You should be able to do that. When she's stalling for time at the beginning of this clip, which you can hear clearly, well, mm -hmm. I, there's so, just so much. As she starts to talk about electric school buses... She actually has to look down to her right where she's got a note where she's got a note card and she's reading down the list in desperation, trying to find something to talk about. <laughs> and so I just wanted to paint that visual since you don't have the benefit of video in this case. I appreciate that. It makes it even yeah. better. Yeah. OK, roll on. I really do. And we're manufacturing them in our country. I've been to the manufacturing plants. I've, I've been on these electric school buses and think about it. Aside from the pandemic, on a daily basis, 25 million children in our country every day go to school. Think about that. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah, of course they do. I've thought about On it. those diesel-fueled school buses. Yeah. And hundreds, thousands of school bus drivers are driving those buses. <laughs> well, yes, the kids aren't driving them. <laughs> The I mean, they can change the sex, but they can't drive the bus yet, you dope. So what's the point? <laughs> Which are then these people, yeah. these children, these adults, are inhaling what is toxic air. Oh, that's what's been wrong forever. Yeah. Toxic. Kids ride the bus along with the bus drivers. They breathe in the air, and they're doomed. Right. But we've stopped it. We're in progress right now, and we're building them in our own country. And you can see it with your own eyes. Yeah, and meanwhile, there are villages being wiped out around the world, in the, especially third-world countries, to mine lithium. See, we just put the toxic air in those, you know, poor people's mouths. Yes! Okay? Right. It's like me and the rest of the rich liberals. We <laughs> pretend to care about the poor people, but don't let them in our neighborhood. <laughs> we need to be protected. Not Martha's Vineyard. No. Man, Golly. she can't stop, dude. Hey, <laughs> That's so dumb. <laughs> oh That's so great. And think about it. All these kids. And there's bus drivers, too. <laughs> okay, we're just getting warmed up. There's a lot of good oh stuff to get gosh. to today, man. Um, remember when Nancy Pelosi said, I would have punched Trump. I'd like to punch him in the face. Right. Old brittle wrist Nance. Okay, she expands on that. Can't wait to get to that. And uh, apparently abortion means you don't have to worry about inflation. Who said that? The answer on the way.
Markley, Van Camp, and Robin show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. The woman that once thanked George Floyd for dying, Nancy Pelosi, is talking about how she would have loved to punch Donald Trump. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, the Speaker of the House is doubling down on her threats of political violence. Because remember in that stupid January 6th documentary that her daughter made, her daughter, a uh, documentary filmmaker, just happened to be there on the day of the Capitol riot with a camera crew. Huh. Yeah, I'm sure when they talked about it later, it would just by happenstance, you were there today to document it and had your camera. You know, some sometimes you're just in the right place at the right time with the right gear. Did something. Ah, interesting. Uh, and in that documentary, she is uh, seen saying that she wants to punch Donald Trump if he shows up at the Capitol. Uh, now, during an interview with M- MSNBC's Andrea Mitchell, uh, she doubled down on that. Oh. On the day of the riot, you said that if he led the rioters and came up to the hill, you would have punched him out. That's right. Uh, I don't even like to talk about him because it's really a tragedy for you, our country. But you did say you would have punched him I out. I would have punched Tell him, him out. Your I anger. said I would have punched him out. I would have gone to jail and I would have been happy to do so. Would you have done For it? our country. He wouldn't have had the courage to come to the hill. He's all talk. Well, you just got asked, would you really have punched him? He wouldn't have come. He didn't have the guts. You wanted him to come there? No. I thought this was an assault on our democracy. I was going to say, there's a couple of remarkable things about it. One, it's pretty remarkable seeing two pieces of beef jerky speak to one another. But (laughs) in the case of Andrea Mitchell and Nancy Nancy Pelosi. But also, Joe Biden's going to have to have a talk with her. Because remember, he said it was these MAGA Republicans who were threatening to use violence against one another. Oh, that's right. You hear some of my friends in the other team... Yeah. Talking about political violence and how it's necessary. Think about this now. Mm. Did any of you think, even as old as I am, you've ever been in an election where we talk about it's appropriate to use force, political violence in America? <laughs> he didn't have the guts. I would have laid him out, though. Uh-huh. Who do you think that appeals to if you're her? <laughs> that she's still tough. She could still take somebody down. She can barely walk to the podium. Well, that was her money line, though, right? Yes, it was all rehearsed. It was bad. Right before she said it, and it's in in the non-edited part, you hear her go, line! (laughs) You're going to punch him out! Okay. Well, it took took a while, actually, to get her uh, to say that line, because whenever there was a camera on her, she kept reverting to what her first job was which was one of the singing raisinettes. Mm. Wow. <laughs> really going after that right now. It's like so the capital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if you're uh, planning on flying around the holidays, they say uh, the best time to book is this week. You care anything about that? I don't plan on flying over the holidays. Right. I don't think you plan on flying anytime soon anywhere. No, it depends. You don't like it. I'm okay with it. I'm not afraid of it anymore. Anymore. That's, what well, does that mean? I You're think, over it? I got my rosary. Okay. <laughs> I fondle when I'm in the plane. I didn't know you were of that religion, really. I'm not, but I'll take anything at that point to protect me. Um, lead economist at a travel app called Hopper says the best time to buy plane tickets is this week because they tend to spike um, first in the summer, and then they bottom out mid-October, and then you think, well, if you just wait last minute, you'll get a deal. They say, well, not so much. Hmm. 
they usually go up. And they're already higher. You know, I'm just thinking if it's not something you really want to do, maybe this is your excuse this year. Boy, with the inflation. Boy. Yeah. Oh, COVID's still out there. Mm. That's right. I don't want to Oh, be. don't use that excuse, <laughs> me. Make it about the money. Something like that. Um, okay, David, I asked the question. Uh, who said abortion means you don't have to worry about inflation? Oh, that's Stacey Abrams, noted conspiracy theorist who's running Incredible. to be governor of Georgia. Says, yeah, abortion is good economic policy. She was on Morning Joe today and asked why Democrats are going so hard on abortion because, well, the economy is obviously the biggest issue voters are looking at right now. So why focus on abortion, especially in a more conservative state like Georgia? Well, that's a good question. Okay. But let's be clear. Having children is why you're worried about your price for gas. It's why you're concerned about how much food costs. For women, this is not a reductive issue. You can't divorce being forced to carry an unwanted pregnancy from the economic realities of having a child. Holy mackerel. That's, in, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and, and... That, that's crazy. Yeah, is I, it, okay, there's a couple things. Is it only... People with kids worry about inflation and the cost of things? Well, well, no, and also it's not just women who have children. I mean, there are some right. families out there that, oh, my gosh, have a, a two-parent household. And one of those parents might be a dude. Well, you tend to think about the people you run with and the bubble you create. <laughs> so I suppose in her world, she's... Speaking to the people. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess now have an abortion is the new buy an electric car. It's like the buy. Well, you saw, you saw people. Actually, it was a Yahoo story. You know, one of the things we're facing right now, the diaper shortage. Yeah. Because of this abortion stuff and all of these pregnancy centers yeah. convincing people to have children. Yeah, honestly, where are the receipts on that? Because the. The, the the Dobbs decision wasn't nine months ago, so it's not like there's this explosion of new births that wouldn't have happened. It doesn't oh, make man. any sense. Yeah, vote just... out the politicians who are wrecking the economy? Nah. <laughs> just kill the baby. <laughs> that's all. That's Golly, it. Right. That's and then we dark. won't have the baby formula and diaper nonsense to worry about. There you go. Okay. Did you know Texas sees enough fentanyl to kill every American? Underreported story. That much more coming up right here. show jamie markley david van camp scott robbins gen xer millennial and the sexy boomer yes david van camp you're laughing well i i, I guess this is going to be the new thing uh that democrats are going to be talking about you know the same party that was keeping kids out of school for so long and so many places in this country. Uh, but because of the Inflation Reduction Act, there has been an historic investment in electric school buses. But, I mean, it's a tax credit that companies can take advantage of to, to manufacture, and then school districts might be able to get a tax break on buying 
electric school buses. But now this is this is Kamala Harris's new thing. The vice president uh, talked a little bit more about the magic of electric school buses. Now, I've spoken to a number of drivers, for example, who have recently switched to electric buses, and they stressed the importance of a quiet engine, which is much bigger than just you can have a conversation and hear each other. It helps the drivers hear the road, which, of course, helps keep our children safer. Except I've never heard that expression in my life. I can't hear the road. Well, for years, I mean, well, what? there's been so many accidents from the bus drivers not being able to hear the road the from the tires on the road. Mm-hmm. You know the road. I'm trying to act like I'm like, I can't do it. Yeah. What are we talking about? Well, I, I also think, you know, if you have a quieter electric vehicle and a three-ton bus uh, with little kids running to catch it, I don't know, isn't there also kind of a danger in having quieter buses you don't hear it coming i'm not i'm not saying that's a reason to not do electric school buses i'm just saying when you're talking about the noise that is emitted from buses is 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 there a is there a mechanism there to prevent you know somebody not hearing the bus because remember that's well, i think I, there, that is a problem and, because i mean and, and again i'll use this as an example i mean generally speaking if you hit an animal on the road it's because the animal didn't hear you. Is that the deal? That's why they have deer whistles. <laughs> That's it. They don't work. No. It's been proven. No, We've I mean, gone I'm over ju- this. I'm well, just it's... saying, I, I agree with David. I mean, if it's silent, if it emits no noise... Yeah, or it's I very think that's quiet. really dangerous. Well, we we actually have seen this. You know, any time a city... Portland comes to mind, this was a thing in Houston, when there was a light rail or some yeah. sort of, you know, uh, train system that's put up... Mm-hmm. Uh, People wind up getting smacked by those things yes. because they don't hear them coming. They don't hear them. Not right. Okay, of all the problems we face right now as a nation, the fact that the vice president says that it's going to be quieter on these electric buses because for years, and you remember back in school, you wanted to talk to your friend. You could not do it because it was... Of course you could talk and communicate on a bus. <laughs> like, this has been a thing? Uh, I'd like to talk to the driver as I come on to say hello, but he can't hear me. You're not, you're, you're what not, are we talking about? You're not riding shotgun in a, in a, in a helicopter here, okay? Oh, <laughs> it's a school so bus. that's the first issue. <laughs> that, hey, we're going to be able to communicate and have conversation. Isn't that what she said? Yes. Yeah. Something like that? And then it's going to be great because it's going to be so much quieter. You can hear the road. That the driver can hear the tires on the road, <laughs> and that's going to make it all safer, safer. because like, they've been hindered. I'm sure if we took a poll of bus drivers, what are your top five concerns? I'm sure that at the top is, you know, I can't hear the tires on the road. <laughs> I'm just picturing every bus driver in America before like looking like a Native American hunter. And he's tracking yeah. By putting his ear down on the road because he needs to hear the road before going on his route. Just to know that it's safe. And that's yes. what we want to do is keep your kids safer so the drivers can hear the tires <laughs> on the road and kids can have conversations. Sounds Put like that pavement's going to buckle today. Puts his ear down to the steering wheel <laughs> while driving. Gee whiz. That's the dumbest thing. I can't. I, I just, 
These people are running our country. <laughs> Again, she's the border czar, right? Yeah. She was going to find out root causes yes. and all that. And I'm sitting here looking at this story, and I heard the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, talking about it, Operation Lone Star, deploying thousands of Texas National Guard soldiers and Department of Public Safety troopers across the border. They've seized enough fentanyl to kill every American citizen. Golly. Over 342 million lethal doses of fentanyl. Work on that, Kamala. I think that might be a bigger threat to the children than not being able to talk on the bus or the driver hearing the road. Where the are we? What is the road saying to me right now? (laughs) I know that sign says left turn only, but I can't hear the road tell me that I need to turn left here. Are we going to go Jack Kerouac? The road will tell you everything you need to know if you can just listen. Golly. Or the new bus driving test. You have to read Kerouac. <laughs> huh? I can't hear. Oh. Okay, I've seen this covered in a few places. The mother of George Floyd's daughter has announced a $250 million lawsuit against Ye. Uh-huh. Kanye West. And I learned from the interview with uh, Chris Cuomo, if you call him Kanye West, he'll remind you that his name is now Ye. Mm-hmm. Okay? So don't forget that, Scott. Well, Just... <laughs> okay, I'll remember that during my next interview with Kanye. That, that well, you're yes. a fan. You, you would say you're a fan, though. I wouldn't say I'm a fan. David's a fan. Okay. Of this show, David listens to more Kanye than we do. Why would you say I was a fan? Why would you say that? Honestly, I maybe at one point in time ever were I, you a fan? I don't think I ever had any Kanye in the library. Okay. I thought I la- asked you last week who your favorite artist was, and you said, Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was leading somewhere. Okay, detour. Sorry. God, I didn't hear it either. One of my favorite <laughs> clips of Robbins from the archive. Yay! <laughs> God dang. Anyway... <laughs> Ye had said something about George Floyd died from an overdose. Yeah. It's not the knee of Derek Chauvin. A lot of people have said that, yes. Well, yes. Um, so the lawsuit, uh, $250 million. That's what uh, the mom said. Mm-hmm. She plans on doing. And why would Kanye say this? Or Ye, sorry. Um he said, I watched the George Floyd documentary that Candace Owens put out. One of the things that his two roommates said was that, you know, they want a tall guy like me. And the day he died, he said a prayer for eight minutes. They hit him with fentanyl. If you look, the guy's knee wasn't even on his neck like that. So apparently from watching that part of the documentary and then saying it, that has upset the family. So the lawsuit will accuse Yay of making the comments to promote his brands and increase marketing value and revenue for himself, his business partners, and associates. Okay. That's the Witherspoon Law Group and Dixon and Dixon attorneys at law said in a statement. But while one cannot defame the dead, if you're going to go there, David, they see you coming. Okay. The family of George Floyd is considering suit for Ye's false statements about the manner of his death claiming Floyd died from fentanyl and not the brutality established criminally and civilly undermines and diminishes the Floyd family's fight. I mean, they have... What fight? They're millionaires now. 
well, the the fight against apparently Ye now because they say he is quote made malicious statements that are inaccurate and unfounded, unfounded. causing damage causing damage to Mr. Floyd's estate and family. His daughter is being re-traumatized by Ye's comments. And he's creating an unsafe and unhealthy environment for her. That's what the lawyer said in the statement. Uh, when's the fundraiser? That's what this is all about. I'm not Them quite sure. Looking to cash in on that guy's death yet again. Because, no. I don't understand how Kanye West. Yay. Yay, sorry. How Yay is going to profit off this i don't quite understand it. no and it it doesn't make any sense either you can't just sue for or successfully sue just for hurt feelings there has to be something there and family members are not defamed by this and how are they act actually harmed by anything that kanye west said because if you actually look at the initial medical examiner's report he did have a lot of fentanyl in his system he had a lot of drugs in his system Dude, you know, I told you the other day, or was talking about it, watching that documentary. And I think when I said, if you followed it, it's a lot what you know. And I, I was watching part of it again, um, just little clips, and I'm like, you know what? Maybe I didn't realize this much of it. And when you watch it, the way that it's laid out, because I think what Candace is trying to do is just lay out facts. She's going to give you her opinion, and her opinion is... That, yeah, he died from an overdose. She flat out says it at the end. I won't say everything she said, but that's the gist of it. But if you remember the dude, um, Rod Martinelli, no, Ron Martinelli, um, the doctor, and he goes on the doc, says, hey, this is what I do. I'm a forensic criminologist, certified medical investigator. I don't have a dog in this fight, okay? I just look at the cases and look what it is. And you're going over again what happened that day. Okay, there is a whole lot more evidence he OD'd than he was choked to death. There's no doubt about it. There's, I'll play you a couple of clips from the doc. I'm going no, in. you're not. And so when Mr. Floyd gets in a car and, and he claims that he's claustrophobic. Remember that part? Yeah. yeah. claustrophobic. That's it. I think if I was an officer, I'd be saying, wait a minute, you showed up in a car. You wouldn't get in a car if you thought you were claustrophobic. The officers placed him in a position that's referred to as the maximum restraint position. In other words, he's prone, stomach down, on the ground. Right, because that's where he wanted to be. That's where he has to be. Put me put me on the ground. That's what he asked. And I get going a whole lot of this when everybody says he was crying out for his mother. He cried out for mama. That was his girlfriend's nickname. They set that up. Because the time he got arrested before, he was crying out for mama. Hmm. That was his girlfriend's pet name. Because they put her on the stand, and I don't even remember this part, but said, uh, did you have nicknames for one another? You and George. She says, yes. What did he call you? mama and that's the what that's what he had her listed as in his phone mm. why know, am i just now knowing this i don't remember that seriously part being i covered. don't remember any of this uh, you should probably watch the doc then wow okay um man called the greatest lie ever sold because it was isn't that what nancy pelosi said when she was yeah crying out to crying his mother out for that's his mother. what everybody says yeah. yeah um but the other part of that as i mean there was a half chewed up pill that was in the police vehicle if you remember that mm -hmm. and they think what he did is once he knew he was going to go to jail he ingested more because yeah it was more than three times the limit to kill somebody 
But the, the other clip that's worth playing is... They had to have the jury believe that it was a neck restraint, it was the knee on the neck, it was asphyxiation that killed George Floyd. However, there was a ton of evidence that George Floyd consumed a toxic, lethal cocktail of fentanyl and methamphetamine. Yeah. And when you also look at the reports, you could just read them, there was no sign of asphyxiation. There was no, or no sign of any injury, anything with the neck that would control or keep him from oxygen, oxygen getting to his brain. I'm paraphrasing all of it. But you come away from that, and I remember reading, and you, you had to dig to find this information when it was all going on. But you're left with, yeah, the dude OD'd. You know. Wow. Yeah, it's wild. Man, that is wild. And so to bring it all together, when I see that lawsuit from the Floyd family, like I don't know that you people want to give more attention to the Candace Owens documentary Mm -hmm. because more and more people are going to find out the truth and exactly what media did with it. And when you look back, it's freaking disgusting. Well, a lot of people are looking to settle out. Well, yay is not going to be paying a nickel. He just writes a check and they move on their way. Yeah. Um, saw this on a lighter note. It was a husband listing all the reasons or several reasons he's apologized for his wife. For his wife or to his wife? To his wife. Oh, to his like, wife. Like, sorry okay. for this. I'm sorry for that. Uh-huh. Um, I know it, we're on a on a time crunch. That is something we will get to okay. coming up. <laughs> in the ne- it, Yes. If you want to hear some... Husband sarcasm. <laughs> You'd like that? Um, we'll definitely get to that. And the midterm blame game has already started with the Democrats. We'll go down that list as well. Straight ahead right here. Camp and Robbins show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Well, you know this is coming. Looks like the Democrats are going to get a beating with the midterms, right? So they're already writing the pieces about how the blame game is going to go down. And a lot of what we've already heard. David, you had the clips of Obama saying, you know, a lot of progressives are a buzzkill, scolding people for being politically incorrect. And then it's like he caught himself, and it's like, uh, and they watch the propaganda on Fox News. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. You got younger House Democrats saying, old Nancy Pelosi's got to go. Representative Alyssa Slotkin from Michigan saying, leadership has fallen out of touch with a lot of voters. Mm-hmm. Need a new generation. Got to go. Bernie Sandwiches, he's still kicking around. Say, we need to stop talking about abortion rights. I can't do it quite the way you do it, David. You call him Bernie Sandwiches? Yes. <laughs> On purpose. I've never heard that one. <laughs> Somebody actually called him that. That's good. Who was it that called him that, David? <laughs> that actually called him that as they were misspeaking? I, I don't remember. Are you saying that was a fever dream? <laughs> I think it might have uh, been because I've never heard it either. <laughs> okay. 
now I'm going to have to put something else on hold. We're going to have to get to the oh, other audio a little bit later. It might be uh, Chris Hayes. Maybe. Let, let, let's see. Hold on a second. Let me. I'm looking for it now. Hold on. Sandwich. Here we go. Here we go. Yes. But you see that play out in different ways in both Trump's particularly closing message and railing against pharmaceutical companies and the like, and Bernie Sandwich's, uh, Sanders' message from the beginning. <laughs> see? <laughs> Don't be looking like I'm on some other planet. I got hit in the head with a mallet or something. <laughs> <laughs> My wife calls me Reuben. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> this is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. That does not make any sense. <laughs> Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Okay. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. All right, tell me, this seems like a huge deal to me. I don't see it covered that much. The CDC going to vote to permanently shield Pfizer and Moderna from the COVID vaccine injury liability by using kids, saying that kids will need to get vaccinated to go to school. Yeah. Isn't that a big deal? Yeah, but uh, again, you got to remember that most of legacy media is just saying, well, yeah, obviously any parent who wouldn't get their kid this COVID vaccine, even though, even though you know, a lot of doctors are saying it's probably not all that necessary. Uh, if you don't get your kid the COVID vaccine, uh, you're a child abuser. They're on board with that message completely. You pointed this out uh, months ago when you were talking about like the 5 to 12 range mm-hmm. where, you know, the Today Show, Good Morning America, et cetera, we're all saying we may finally have this approved for five-year-olds. And how Parents many have people been waiting? How many people have actually been doing that? Well, we see the uptake uh, for that age group, and especially under fives. And it's it's like what under thirty percent for five to twelve, under twenty percent for uh, toddler to five. Yeah, in some cases lower than that. I've seen lower than ten mm-hmm. for that age group. And I mean that's why you have so many other countries saying. Okay, if you're a healthy teen, you're not getting it. You shouldn't. Because the risk of the vaccine outweighs getting COVID. But not our country. And so if the CDC is actually going to say, no, the kids have to get that. As just a regular jamoke, you're like, that makes no sense. And so I was glad to see Dr. Marty McCary, who was on Tucker last night, talking about it. Uh, the professor at Johns Hopkins, um, who has always, at least in my view, spoken his mind on this issue Mm -hmm. and had a lot of blowback from a lot of different people. Anybody that spoke out against, you know, any questions about COVID or the vaccines, they were demonized in the medical world. He's one of them. And so I think Tucker started by asking, you know, there's no medical justification for this, you know, 
is there? Well, there's certainly no clinical data. They've got data from eight mice on the Omicron vaccine in young people. And the child vaccine story is essentially a story of bypassing clinical data. Right. Just again, and I know we already know the story. Mice. Mm-hmm. That's what we're basing it on with our kids. That's nuts. Which is why many of us are asking, why even have an FDA? Why do we even do clinical trials? Right now, we've got pharma saying, hey, we did a study. We're going to give you the top line of the press release. We're going to call the White House. And the White House then calls the FDA and the CDC and tells them to get in line. They bought 170 million doses of this new Omicron vaccine. There has never been a vaccine added to the child immunization schedule without solid clinical evidence evidence that it reduces disease significantly in the community. Think about that, man. Well, this isn't something that's killing millions of kids. No. And I, and I think the sad part, in addition to, we don't know what any long-term effects may be. There may be nothing who knows, but there will be, there will be, but Uh, he he goes on to talk about it, but the, but the, the long-term effect of uh, uh, socially here, Mm-hmm. is that you have a lot of parents who are starting to question routine vaccines that have been proven to be actually safe and effective. Yes, mm-hmm. I know. Think about how many people right now are thinking flu shot this year. I used oh, yeah. to get it. I don't know. Well, I'll tell you this. Hoda Kotb came on this morning and said yesterday was a big day for her. She got her booster and her flu shot on the same day, and we should too. Well, what, I'm going to take my advice from you? Dr. Kotby, I'll take it from McCary. Go ahead. I'll wait for Martin. Jenna Bush to weigh in before oh, I completely sure. decide. <laughs> the COVID vaccine in children will be the first. It will be added with no clinical data. And many of us that are saying, hey, let's see the data, we're basically told, stop asking questions. Right. Dr. Ja, who's the chief COVID advisor at the White House, joke. has said he has seen the data but it's not public information. What are they hiding? Why can't we see this information? Instead, we're basically seeing this intense paternalism to really just do what we say and stop asking questions. And the CDC's committee that's voting, I mean, that is essentially a kangaroo court. You have to be an official card-carrying vaccine fanatic to be on that committee. If you're not, then basically they're not going to accept people who think that some vaccines are important and others lack the evidence to support broad distribution. Remember. And before we get to the last part of what he says, you remind yourself of this all the time. This vaccine is unlike most vaccines that actually stop you from getting whatever it is you're getting vaccinated for. Remember, one in 5,000 vaccine doses results in a severe adverse event, according to data from overseas, from Germany, because we don't fund that research in the U.S. Why? And in Israel, they took 283 people who got myocarditis from the vaccine. One of them died. Two were in the ICU. So if thousands of people are going to get myocarditis from this indiscriminate vaccination in young, healthy people, we're going to see some unintended harm. Yes. It is. It's infuriating on so many different levels. And I'm sure, man, you also have different parents that may have other family members that get all their news from Hoda. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, mm-hmm. or yeah. whoever. Are you sure you really don't want to get your son vaccinated? I saw the special on it. They really think you should. 
I think maybe you should mind your own business and do a little research on your own. Oh, um, and they, the news crews go out to, you know, Tom and Judy Spencer in Ames, Iowa, <laughs> who are excited right. about, you know. No, uh, can't wait. I'll yeah. tell you personally, I think I said this at the time, but, you know, a couple months ago when I got COVID, uh, and my kid, it ran through the house. Because uh, of course it did. I mean, no, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lock my kids in. I'm not going to lock my one-year-old in his room <laughs> and <laughs> isolate him. I'm not going to lock my almost three-year-old in a room and isolate her. I'm not doing that to my kids. Um, but I did actually have a family member when all of us had gotten COVID who said, well, you know, if you had got, if they had gotten the vaccine, they wouldn't have gotten it. I said, I got the vaccine and I got it. And by the way, you got the vaccine and two boosters and got COVID a second Unbelievable. time. Unbelievable. So I don't stop. Know how you do it, dude. And the kids were fine. I mean, you know, my son had uh, uh, one really bad day where he had a bad fever. We got it under control, and he was fine. Mm -hmm. No, got to get the vaccine before he goes to preschool. All right, we got to move on. Uh, Carrie Lake, she's running for governor, Arizona. Yeah, she's awesome. She was, I mean, long shot. No one took her serious. And all of a sudden, it's looking like she could win this thing. And, you know former TV reporter, any time that you see her, she's impressive the way she presents a message. And she doesn't take any guff. And so the big knock on her from the left has been, well, she's an election denier. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a bunch of journalists asking questions, and they bring up election denier. And she's about had it. If you're going to start throwing around terms like election denier, let's remember who the other election deniers were. Hillary Clinton and all the Democrats. Right. Next question. The question is, you over the weekend, everybody, you took the Google all over the world. Your name was ringing everywhere. And one of them, yes, ma'am, because I have the scale. And one of them has, most of them were asking, is she uh, uh, an election denier? Carrie Lake. And that was like, like going around on all different cable news. What do you elaborate on this? Sounds like a pro journalist, right? Yeah. Who is that? I saw it on Google. <laughs> okay. Yes. How does Carrie Lake respond to that? Yeah. We have the answer. I'm actually shocked you asked that question, George. <laughs> well, actually, Anthony, where's Anthony? She's looking for her intern. You know, I, I did a little, actually, Anthony. Anthony, how old are you? 20. Are you a journalist? No. Well, you did better research than half these people. Um, let's talk about election deniers. Here's 150 examples of Democrats denying election results. Oh, wow, look at this. This is from, this is from uh, Joe Biden's press secretary. Reminder, Brian Kemp stole the gubernatorial election from Georgians and Stacey Abrams. Democrats saying that. Is that an election denier? Oh, look at this. Just heard Republican Ryan Costello said it would be difficult for Stacey Abrams to win because she lost her state bid, but yet she's still claiming she never lost. This is outright Hillary Clinton. Trump is an illegitimate president. Is she an election denier? This one says, was the 2016 election legitimate? It now definitely is a question worth asking. She just goes down this list, man. It's really well done. So it's okay for Democrats to question elections, but it's not okay for Republicans. It's a crock of BS. Every one of you knows it. We have our freedom of speech, and we're not going to relinquish it to a bunch of fake news propagandists. If you want a copy of these, 
I'm sure that we're, Anthony would help you get a copy and help you learn how to be journalists, but look it up. Wow. <laughs> Good for her. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. No really one ever has that. to be uh, answerable to that whole thing. Not to mention, I mean, you still have Democrats right now who say that George W. Bush stole the 2000 election. Oh, yeah. Now, sometimes, man, it's not fair. I've seen it. I, you know what? I saw it yesterday. Did you see what they did in Georgia? They opened the polls for white people only. They only, they only <laughs> I gave didn't know that. Yes, no, they only didn't. gave the information to white people. Yeah. Yep. Wow. And then they were putting up fences around anybody that was a person of color. <laughs> Unless you were Asian American. They take their water away? Yes. Okay. They didn't, as long as you bring it with, but you can't give anybody water, okay? If you're within eight miles, no water. Gas stations refuse to sell water to people of color. <laughs> We're it's, Georgia. This is how we roll. So stupid, isn't it? I mean, yeah. they have record turnouts. Going yeah, on. actually, joking, yes, of course. Record yeah, turnout. First day of early voting. 130,000 votes were cast on the first day of early voting in Georgia, and that is uh, a, a number that beats the record for the what? first day of early voting in a midterm, which was set in 2018, the year that Stacey Abrams said voter suppression happened, and that's why she lost the election. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is 2.0 or something. It's People Jim of Crow. color can't vote. It, Jim Crow. Stacey Abrams called it Jim Crow in a suit and tie. That's right. Well, it was Jim Eagle, wasn't it, from yeah, Biden? That's what Biden said. Can't vote. And then you're asking for ID? Yeah. Terrible. So people actually provided ID? <laughs> wow. How did they do it? We, how, how did, did they, they find their way to the DMV? They cracked the code. Well, congratulations. It's like the Da Vinci Code. you got to just follow the breadcrumbs until you figure out how to get a driver's license or state ID. So, so far, so good with the racist oh, I would think so, yeah. voting law in Georgia. Yeah. And honestly, I see this, and the first thing that goes through my head is, screw Major League Baseball. Well, you can't the have game. the All-Star Game in a place that won't sell water to people of color within eight miles of a voting place. The Voting for the All-Star Game, though, is fair. <laughs> Okay, a teacher said autistic kids are queer. Is that for real? Yeah, I guess it is. We'll get to that and much more coming up right away. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, David, I'll just let you present this. Yeah. I have not heard this. This sounds nuts. Well, we know that lefties are mad at Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin for the proposed new education policy that well, stops public schools from transitioning children from one gender to another without written requests from their parents. Wow, really? <laughs> How hateful is that? Wow. Uh, also, boys should use boys' locker rooms and girls should use the girls' locker rooms. What world are we living in? This is Nazi Germany. They're freaking right. out about it. Well, apparently that's just bullying. And so during the Arlington, it was the, the most recent Arlington County School Board meeting in Virginia, activists got up to stand against common sense and reality. They're taking a brave and bold stance against reality itself. Uh, here's one special education teacher. She's in her first year of teaching, by the way, and she's okay. an expert. Yeah. 
First year teacher. Yes. This is who we're going to hear from. Yes. All right, roll it. I'm also a queer person, and the proposed model policy on trans students is just one of my many issues I have with Glenn Youngkin. Quit. Then quit. How about that? Do everybody a favor. In May, I graduated with my master's in special education. Doesn't mean jack to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did my master's study on queer inclusion in public schools. <laughs> You wasted your money. You're an idiot. Specifically because of the rise in anti-trans hate in public schools across this nation. That's a farce, actually. You have the receipts for that? Because people say it all the time, and then they actually can't provide the proof. My study told me that including trans students in all spaces is best practice. Is that what they said? All spaces? I found that autistic students, the population I work with, may experience gender queerness more than other students. All of this brings me... Hold on. Yeah. So you have, a, you have a special ed teacher who is trying to project her own insecurities about her gender identity onto special needs children, apparently. So in her experience. Yeah. It, she graduated in May. But she knows. Uh-huh. She's a, she has a master. She has a master. Nobody cares. You don't. You don't, Mr. Uneducated no, Millennial. No, I know teachers who've been in the field for 30 years who are saying, I don't care that you've just got your master's. You don't know I anything. Don't. No, they don't. All of this brings me to my most important point. Why does this government not trust me with my master's degree I worked hard and paid for it to oh, know how God. to do my job? Why is my profession and expertise so policed? Because you have no idea how the world works yet, okay? And many people who have been around for a few years have seen many that have come out of some school with a master's degree that sucked at their job, that thought they were smarter than the rest of everyone else they worked with and yet failed in their gig. Get over yourself no. and stop grooming. Well, uh, yeah, that, the floor is yours. That, that does actually sound like grooming if you're looking at kids who have Special, it whether what, whatever it may be, I mean, autism obviously is this big spectrum, so you don't know what all the kids are going through that she deals with. But you are taking kids who have been identified as at risk in a certain population, and you're what training them to be trans. That's a different level of sickness and evil. Absolutely, but she's got a master's degree. <laughs> Nobody cares. No. They told me like three Why times. Why don't you respect my education? Yeah, listen. Saw this poll out. Uh, it says most people give up trying to be trendy at age 35. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say we salute David Van Camp, millennial, mm-hmm. who might be that age, but who gave that up long ago. Yeah, I, did. I gave it up. I don't know that you ever embraced well, it. I don't know, man. I've got my rubber ducky shirt on today. You do. It's light blue it's with nice. yellow. Right. Wow. Very this nice. is the Markley Van Camp and Robert Show. Biggest story of the day. Outside of you wearing that shirt. Uh, to me, the biggest story of the day is that you've got the CEO of Moderna out there now saying, yeah, I mean, under 50, if you're healthy, you can get it if you don't want to. You can get the COVID vaccine if you just don't want to get sick. But it's not necessarily something that you have to go do. Right. It's <laughs> what a lot of other countries like Denmark have been saying. But the fact that he said it. And why do you think he said it? I think it's... I. I have a theory on that. and I, I do, too. I, I want to flesh that out with a little bit more time. Okay. We'll definitely get to that. Um, well, something else we got to get to is this news producer... 
from ABC was raided, and he's gone. That story coming up. Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley, the Gen Xer. David Van Camp, the Millennial, the Sexy Boomer, Scott Robbins. Yes, David? I'm sorry, man. I didn't know if you wanted to get right to the Moderna CEO. No. I saw you <laughs> laughing. I thought you might want to call an audible. Uh, yeah, let's call an audible here. Um, so CNN is covering early voting that's underway in the state of Georgia. Here's how it intros. This clip is only nine seconds long, but here's the intro to it. Okay. It is the first major election in Georgia under a restrictive new voting law. But that's not stopping record numbers of people from casting their ballots early. How, how, is it, how can you continue to call it a restrictive law when record numbers of people are voting? I told you they only told the white people that it was open. And they've refused to sell quality H2O to any person of color within eight miles of a voting booth. <laughs> I am seeing the live video now, and I'm watching like seven black people parched, crawling towards the polling place. Ah, yeah. I need water. <laughs> Nobody's like giving me water. Several have developed rickets while being in line. <laughs> Distended bellies. <laughs> you, you can't make that up, man. The no, first major can't. election since the new restrictive voting law. Meanwhile, <laughs> record number of people are turning right. out. Exactly. It, restrictive voting laws don't work that way. If the goal was voter suppression, then the people who crafted the bill that was supposed to suppress the vote did a terrible job. They did. No doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> Golly. <laughs> Okay, thank you for that. Uh, the Moderna CEO saying, you know, the COVID shots should mostly be targeted towards, well, people at risk. Yeah. What? Yeah, the head of Moderna, uh, that's uh, Stefan Bancel, was speaking to Yahoo Finance and said, hey, yeah, the, the boosters, as we roll these out worldwide more and more, really need to be focused on the high-risk populations, elderly people, uh, people who may be undergoing treatment for cancer uh, or otherwise immunocompromised. These are the mm -hmm. folks that really probably should be getting these boosters. Whereas for younger, healthier populations, eh, it's up to them. Wow. You, you might want it to protect other people. You might want it because you don't want to get sick and miss work or miss vacation or so on. But I think it's going to be very similar to flu, where people are about 50 years of age, people with comorbidity, people with cancer and other conditions, you know, transplants, uh, and people that are younger are uh, going to have to decide for themselves what they want to do. What's your reaction to that, Scott? I'm dumbfounded, but at the same time, this is exactly what we've been saying for a long time now. Well, a lot of people, well, yes, would have yeah. said that's who we should have focused on from Immediately, the Immediately, yes. from the start. I think it was DeSantis who kind of did that anyway. Yeah, all I can hear when in my head. When it came head, to testing and when it came to the actual vaccine itself, yeah. But I just hear in my head Fauci saying, 
He said 15, not 50. <laughs> Age right. of 15. No, no, no. It was 50, 50. what he just yeah. said. So what is your theory of why he's saying that, David? I, I think there are a couple of things. One is, a, I, I understand, maybe a tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. I'll start with the one that's not a conspiracy theory, potentially. Okay. Uh, one is, I think, the, guy's, the guy is first and foremost a businessman. And he understands optics. He understands messaging. And he understands that right now the big dog in this field is Pfizer, not Moderna. Most of the time when you're hearing about the vaccine, it's the Pfizer CEO is out there, Albert Borla is out there more than anything else. And he recognizes, this guy from Moderna, Stefan Vancell, recognizes that Pfizer's kind of becoming the boogeyman. So it's counter-programming. I, I, that's really what I think it is. Okay, dude, your theory, I'm totally tracking with you. I'm thinking the same thing. Mm -hmm. And to add to it, see if you think this, that he knows that the truth is going to come out sooner or later. Yeah. And he's playing a long game, not just for profits over the next year or two, but the long game. Yeah. And yes, when people know everything, he's going to look a whole lot better from going out there at this point in time saying, hey, I said, yeah. should have been 50 or older or immunocompromised, not anybody else. Yeah. Well, I think, I you know, what what comes down and that's pretty much what the tinfoil hat thing is on on my part like i, yeah, I don't know too. what will come out later i don't i have no idea but uh, i do know that pfizer has been way more visible in the united states uh you know pfizer has been sort of deemed as the good one uh which is still mm -hmm. kind of crazy to me that anyway um and so you know he he may be saying i know something about what pfizer has developed that's not going to be good or or just about the mRNA technology in general. That may not be good. Um, and so, yeah, I agree. I mean, either way, it is sort of a long game thing that I think so. he wants to be the counter programmer to whatever Pfizer is doing. You know, I go back to this, though. And when we, they started rolling out these vaccines... It was Ron DeSantis in Florida who said, no, we're going to make sure these senior citizens and people in jeopardy of getting this are going to be the first to get it. And there was this huge uproar about how he's killing everybody else. Well, not only that. But he was right. But he put it into the grocery stores yeah. to get it out and, there. And, the, and, and, and the, you had rollouts yeah. across the country. Yes. Stumbling, bumbling. Yeah. Because, well, it's a joke. You're using a grocery store down there. But they targeted the approach. But it was targeted to the right people at the right time. And, and that's how he did it. On that real quick before we move on. Do you remember the report? And I forget. It was either CNN or NBC, I think. That we're talking about the senior citizens. We're talking like early '60s. They're like they have to wait out it outside for an hour and a half, sometimes yeah. up to you know three hours. Yeah, I'm like, it's 54 degrees. <laughs> well, they, the they were deal? getting them. They were happy to wait in line. They wanted to get vaccinated. And, and the griping. Pfizer and Moderna were passing out water with their names on it so they could <laughs> they, they would ask for the right one. <laughs> okay, David, share this story with us about this ABC producer or former producer. This is kind of kooky. Crazy this story. is crazy. And he, I, I guess he used to be in the military or in the intelligence community, uh, and he has since moved into journalism. His name is James Gordon Meek. He worked at ABC News for years. Uh, if you watch the evening news, you've probably seen him uh, breaking stories about malfeasance within the intelligence community or within the U.S. military. 
and he spent years doing that, deep dives into what our government is doing around the world uh, and government abuse. His last project was actually working on a book with another guy about the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Uh-oh. Now, back in April, the feds raided his upscale apartment uh, just outside of D.C., I believe. Uh, they okay. had one of the, the Rolling Stone actually broke this, by the way. Uh, they had one of those bear cats actually in place on the street. This is like a small tank that they've got on the street during this raid of a news producer's home. After the raid, he dropped off the face of the earth. He resigned from ABC News very abruptly. He even abandoned the book project. His writing partner was Lieutenant Colonel Scott Mann, a retired Green Beret, who actually went on to publish the book. Uh, it was released in August. Okay. Uh, and he tells Rolling Stone, quote, he contacted me in the spring and was really distraught and told me that he had some serious personal issues going on and that he needed to withdraw from the project. As a guy who's a combat veteran who, and who's seen that kind of strain, I don't know what it was. I honored it, and he went on his way, and I continued on the prod, uh, project. Now, Meek, again, James Gordon Meek, has not been charged with a crime, and the Justice Department won't really say anything about it. And none of the neighbors uh, have seen him since. His apartment appears to be vacant. So what happened here? Uh, federal agents or somebody leaked to Rolling Stone that he had classified information on his laptop. But even then, why is he disappeared? And sort of the side story to me is, why did Rolling Stone break this several months later as opposed to ABC News? Why didn't his employer, they're, they're a news organization, why didn't, why didn't the employer sort of say, hey, whatever happened to James? Well, ABC has spiked stories before. Yeah, yeah, the Epstein-Clinton-Prince Andrew connection, yeah. Things like that. I mean, you can only speculate, but I think we're all speculating the same thing. That the people in charge up top, if anybody said, hey, we got to figure out what happened to this guy. No, we don't. Yeah, You don't know. This is too crazy. I'm reading, I just found, I wanted to see his picture to see if I recognized him. Yeah. And the New York Post just put this story out within the hour. Um, and they mentioned uh, that he produced Hulu's acclaimed documentary, 3212, unredacted, yeah. all this. Um, and that as they go on in the story, it's unclear which news story prompted the federal government to seek its sets on, on Meek, whose groundbreaking reporting on the 2017 Pentagon cover-up of the deaths of U.S. servicemen in... Niger served as the basis for the Hulu documentary. And so as the story goes on, um, saying the whereabouts are unknown, um, there is a, a tweet from James Gordon Meek, and this was from April 27, 2022. And he just said facts. It was like a retweet of, is it Mark? Uh, Polymer Paulus? Yeah. So, I, 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 yeah, I've seen that, the final tweet. The original story was about how much the U.S. government has learned and the Pentagon has learned about Russia's military capability uh, watching it invade Ukraine. And then there was another response to that from someone who had been connected with the intelligence community who said, well, that's not really new. We've been doing that for 
a couple decades, really. Oh, buddy. And so, and then that's what this guy retweeted and commented on saying facts. Got it. Well, okay. and then, and that was the day of the raid, I believe. And so I, you know, again, I don't think it had anything to do with that tweet, but man, it's, it's weird. I mean, because it right now, as it stands, you've got Biden's FBI for all intents and purposes, silencing and disappearing a major journalist. For, yes. For reasons. Not, not to mention, I mean, raiding like pro-life people. Right. For doing not much. And a former Is the royal pre- family involved in this at all, David? <laughs> no, I don't not not in this one, no. Okay. And, and a former president of the United States, I would add. Yeah, right. <clears throat> this is weird, man. This is really scary stuff. And maybe there's an explanation that we just can't know right now, or maybe never will know. But this stinks to high heaven, man. No doubt. I mean Where's Jason Bourne? Right. I mean, no you're kidding. thinking like it's, you know, some right. sort of thriller, dude. Yeah. It's wild. Okay. David, you had another story. A woman said she got an STD. Dude. Boy, you're, this is really switching gears. From a janitor. Yeah. How did this work? Well, this is a disturbing story out of my hometown of Houston. A uh, janitor is facing assault charges for doing something to a woman's water bottle. Uh, she works at a doctor's office, and, well, here's the report from ABC 13 that actually interviewed this lady who was not identified to protect her privacy. Okay. In late August, she noticed a foul smell in the employee water dispenser. Then in late September, she thought her own water bottle had been tainted, but it was a spy camera she bought that left no questions, she says. Pulls out his penis and proceeds to stick his penis into my water, probably... I would say maybe halfway in, and then tilt the bottle back and basically rinse his penis into my water. Oh, come on! Ugh. All right, public caning at yeah. the least. Well, this guy, Lucio Diaz, is in ICE custody because, well, he might not be here legally. <laughs> Gosh dang it! Gee whiz, man. <laughs> Who? I, I, Robbins is going to well, explode. I think Every he's time looking I try to talk, the, it looks like you're going to... No, no, I just... I Sometimes I think the guy's looking at a cooler going, you know what I want to do? I, I What I think I want to do is put that in there. I mean, did he just hate this woman or just that's what and, a favorite pastime is? I don't well, know. it's quarter after one today. Finished up chores. This hey, is the way I... We, you know... Love is know. love, my friend. Okay, <laughs> stop it. It's a water oh, cooler or a whatever. Okay, okay, man. Just the public caning. Bring it back Jeez. for circumstances like Holy this. Holy cow! Okay. Ah. Uh, if you're going audio clip of the day, did you know the vice president loves electric school buses? If you didn't know that, you'll want to hear this. Great. Day. David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. A lot of times I'll ask David what he thinks the biggest story of the day is. I already know what you think the greatest audio of the day is. Oh, yeah. Well, it's Kamala Harris being asked about what uh, her favorite part of the Inflation Reduction Act is. 
and she scrambles a bit, has to refer to a note card, and then remembers that apparently her new thing is going to be talking about electric school buses. Unreal. It's not that it reduces inflation. Right. Because I think even those people gave up on that, knowing this was all about green energy crap, not about reducing inflation. So here you go. So, I mean, so much. So much. I'm... Mm. One of the things that I'm very excited about is what we have been doing in terms of electric vehicles. Um, and I, I have a particular fondness, I must tell you, for electric school buses. I love electric school buses. <laughs> I really do. And we're manufacturing them in our country. I've been to the manufacturing plants. I've, I've been on these electric school buses. And think about it. Wow. Aside from the pandemic, on a daily basis, 25 million children in our country every day go to school. Think of that, Scott. I'm thinking of it. Okay. On those diesel-fueled school buses. Yeah. And hundreds, thousands of school bus drivers are driving those buses, hmm. which are then these people, these children, these adults, are inhaling what is toxic air. Oh, my goodness. So mm -hmm. we're starting with those buses, and then we get to the city buses, and we're going to solve all our problems. Yeah. Well, of course. But again, the Inflation Reduction Act, nothing about inflation. Most excited about the electric buses. Wow. Could have been a valedictorian if I weren't riding the school bus to school every day. <laughs> <laughs> that was let it do. I know. <laughs> And the best part is what she was looking at notes to scramble to come up with an yeah. answer. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're not only the kids, but they're bus drivers, too. Maybe we're going to get self-driving buses soon to drive those electric buses. <laughs> this is the Mark Van Camp Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Thank you so much for being here. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. In the privacy of the bedroom, excuse me, the I'm thinking about the Dobbs, the Dobbs decision. Imagine, well, I'll, I'll get to that. Good try. <laughs> He's back at it today. If you failed yesterday, uh, yeah. hey, man, it's a new day today. Right. Pick yourself up and you try again. Yes, of course. Okay. Uh, so today he announced he's releasing another 15 million barrels of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve in an effort to try to uh, lower gas prices ahead of the midterm elections, at least. Uh, probably won't do too much, but it may take some of the edge off of high gas prices. About a dime or so. All right. But that uh, way, the week of the midterms, they can yeah. go out there and say, gas prices come down, you see it. Yeah. People notice it at the pump. Now, now today, he also called for more oil production domestically. What? Uh, which is an interesting turnaround, although if you hear Joe tell it, he hasn't changed his mind on anything. Okay, roll this. Where have they been the last four months? Oh, that's... Okay. 
So well, we'll start with we that We need to one. produce more. We need yeah. to responsibly increase American oil production without delaying or deferring our transition to clean energy. Let me, uh, let's debunk some myths here. Oh, this My administration has not stopped or slowed U.S. oil production. <laughs> Quite the opposite. We're producing 12 million barrels of oil per day. And by the end of this year, we will be producing 1 million barrels a day, more than the day in which I took office. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, One million barrels of oil per day, more than we're doing right now, or more than it was when he took over, uh, is actually still not getting back to the levels that it was pre-pandemic under Donald Trump. Right. Uh, And even still, the reason why it was low is because the oil industry was still recovering from the significant drop in demand for oil worldwide when everything shut down because of coronavirus. Sure. You know, Oil production isn't isn't a light switch. You don't. It's not just like oh, we shut it down and then you can easily turn it back on. No, no, no. These projects take years. I mean, you have to get the infrastructure back up and running. In some cases, uh, wells were completely capped, uh, and people lost their jobs because there was no production happening. So it's hard to go out and get more people. That's not something that the president can control. That being said. Seven days after he was sworn into office, he signed a little executive order that uh, suspended new leases on federal lands. Now, while that did not affect current directly, current leases where oil was being produced and whatnot on federal lands, which is about a quarter of all U.S. oil production, uh, it didn't directly affect it at the time uh, because they were exempt from it. That being said, Companies make oil companies make plans based on years, if not decades. And so if you say, well, I'm not going to go out and produce more or or put in the resources it takes to explore and develop oil lands and and whatnot. If you cap all of that off, you're cutting off the supply a couple years in advance and we're bearing the results of that now. And so to say, for him to say, I've never done anything to stop oil production is a complete and utter lie. And the other thing is, it's not just about drilling and pumping out the oil. It's about how do you turn that oil into gasoline? You can't just ride, you, know, you can't just roll up to a, to a rig and uh, hook a hose up to it and put it directly in your car. You have to refine it. You have to package it. You have to mix it. You have to send it out to gas stations. There, there is a right. process there. And you're damn right he has done stuff that has, uh, on the regulatory side, that has disincentivized oil companies from ramping up uh, uh, production in terms of turning that oil into gasoline. We're going to outlaw smoking, okay? And we're going to do it within 10 years. But right now we need cigarettes. Right. Now go harvest some tobacco. <laughs> Get to it. You're irresponsible. We haven't stopped them. <laughs> Your average prom king has gotten 20% less cool. We got to pump out camels now. (laughs) Okay. Sorry, man. I don't think that's going to fool people. Uh, But then he says releasing oil from the reserve isn't political. Yeah. So the question was, what do you say to Republicans who are saying this is obviously a political stunt? Well, yeah. Where have they been the last four months? That's my response. Is it politically motivated, sir? This no, it's not. Three weeks before the midterms. Look, it makes sense. I've been doing this for how long now? 
It's not politically motivated at all. No. It's motivated to make sure that I continue to push on what I've been pushing on, and that is making sure there's enough oil okay. that's being pumped by the companies so that we have the ability to be able to produce enough gas that we need here at home, oil we need here at home, and at the same time, keep moving in the direction of providing for alternative energy. That's what I've been doing. Yes, and selling barrels from the reserve to China. Oh, did I say that? We're <laughs> not supposed to get that out there. Oh, yeah. Except you have. What a joke. You said this a long time ago, Scott, but at moments like this, I'm like, yeah, he's going to go down as the worst president of all time. I don't know how I, he can. And again, the only thing you can hope for is that the red wave that's being predicted oh. is really going to happen, and you can neuter this to a certain extent anyway. Or you can pull a couple of brake levers. Slow this train down. <laughs> Pulling you know, all the levers. You know, yeah. uh, I was just reminded of this, that also that Inflation Reduction Act adds a ton of new burdens yeah. and taxes on oil and gas production. Sure. Mm-hmm. So he's out there, golly, to just say we haven't done anything to prevent oil production or, or, or refining in this country is just a flat-out lie. Now, I do agree with something he said early on when he, when he was talking about Republicans and said – where have they been the last four months? I know you're out of power and there's not a whole lot you could do, but if you want to talk about tackling inflation, energy production is where it's at. That's what you can do at the federal level. Yeah, you can. Listen, man, I really hope if it is a red wave that it's people that are actually looking out for the best interests of people in this country. And not to make themselves rich, like so many Republicans that have gone to D.C. have done. Been great disappointments to a lot of people. Kevin McCarthy's got the Dr. Thunder version of Contract with America out there. Look, I made a pamphlet, guys. Good job, idiot. Yeah, that's great. How's your buddy doing? How's Frank Luntz? Next. All right, Bill Gates making news. This can't be good. Yeah, megalomaniac. talking about green energy, this freaking guy. (laughs) megalomaniac and weird little guy bill gates says there possibly a diddler too i should add uh says there's a silver lining to the russian invasion of ukraine on cnbc said the downside of course is that european nations are having to burn coal to make sure that millions don't freeze to death this year well that's a shame isn't it uh or burn garbage in their own homes to yeah, eat it right that's true mm-hmm. but there is an upside oh here we go now on the other hand it's mm-hmm. good for the long run because uh, people won't want to be dependent on Russian natural gas. Uh, so they'll move to these new approaches more rapidly. So you blew up the pipeline. So it was you. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> Golly. That's a good thing. You know, you're not relying on Russia. Got to get her somewhere else. Hmm. You know, it was just the other day. Uh, was it Netherlands? Somebody saying, hey. Definitively, those pipes were blown up. Yeah. Thank you for that. Was someone saying it just could have happened naturally? <laughs> yeah, I don't... I, I it was think not exactly new news. A pipeline encased in concrete. I mean, it's not <laughs> It's not, not like a starfish got frisky with it. I mean... <laughs> right. I thought that was... Well, it was underwater bats. Yeah. <laughs> it was a pangolin in scuba gear. <laughs> right. Wow. Uh, it was a wet, wet market. There you go. A really wet mic. That's funny. <laughs> Kamala Harris, did you see this? I mean, we had a couple of clips from her earlier today. Has now hired 
her third chief speechwriter since taking office? Well, the first two were terrible. If they were writing the garbage, she was churning out. Okay. David, you've always been more inside politics, the inner workings of a campaign, of a staff. And I don't know if you know this or not, so just putting you on the spot. Mm -hmm. Okay, does a speechwriter beyond just writing speeches, do they give talking points to, or is that somebody else's gig usually? Usually, well, it, I, I assume in the vice president's office that the talking points would be done through the chief of staff's office. Okay. So not necessarily a speechwriter. Uh, they might have input on verbiage, but usually... Just to make it sort yeah. of in that person's voice, yeah. I guess? Okay. Um, just curious, because this news comes out, and then she goes out there today talking about... yeah electric school buses and the clip that you had earlier david mm -hmm. because not only does she say that's her favorite part of the inflation reduction act it's not reducing inflation it's the electric buses and well, think yeah. about it there's these kids and they breathe in bad fumes mm -hmm. with the drivers too yeah but then she went on and this can't be the new speechwriter because it is this person no. needs to be fired and th this is actually from a little while ago but yeah this is now, I've spoken to a number of drivers, for example, who have recently switched to electric buses, and they stressed the importance of a quiet engine, which is much bigger than just you can have a conversation and hear each other. It helps the drivers hear the road, which, of course, helps keep our children safer. Now, join me in a rousing rendition of the wheels on the bus don't make a sound. Make a sound. <laughs> I'm still trying to make sense of that. Oh, no. That because of the loud engines before, they couldn't hear what was going on on the road. I can't hear it. It's not safe. What? Really, that's the big deal. And that's your favorite part of the Inflation Reduction Act. Mm hmm Wow. Entertainment story out there. Um, Carrie Underwood. You love Carrie Underwood, she's, Scott. Yeah, she's very talented. Yeah. Well, listen, man, I'm the only guy, I think, on this show that gets put in the position to ever defend Axl Rose, and it's hard, because I'm not talking, talking about his politics. I'm just talking about the band. I like... I know you're a big fan, yeah. The old Guns N' Roses. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he sang with her, stagecoach, earlier this year, and does this interview... And she said trying to talk him into singing with her was a difficult thing to do. That many years in the making. I had asked before if he would ever come sing and said almost, maybe, but he wouldn't commit. She said, I sent him an email and explained the why and what he meant to me, the way I learned how to sing. Because she would pick these really hard vocalists to try to emulate, and his voice always mesmerized her. I was like, how is he doing the things he's doing? So I told him all that, and he came. And it went smoothly. And he was so nice. So see, he's not always a jerk. He can turn it around. They sing yeah. one of her songs? No. I just, that was it. Okay. I played that for you guys, so go ahead, tee off. Have your fun. Just... Was that Axel Rose or someone's grandma having indigestion? A cat in a blender. Yeah. You know, I know. I've heard it all before. It's, you know, one of those things.
But I thought it was at least a nice story. It was a good story. Able to sing with one of your heroes. You just didn't quite hit that one. It happens. Okay. Uh, Karine Jean-Pierre <laughs> has a new statement that you'll want to hear. Much more coming up right here. Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. All right, this is Karine Jean Pierre, uh-huh. White House Press Secretary, David. Uh, yeah. Well, you, you know, uh, apparently the economy is doing really well. Solid as a rock, says Joe Biden. Strong as hell. That. Strong as hell, man. Uh, and so Karine uh, Jean Pierre has, of course, been sharing a lot of McGurkin about that. Um, and, you know, they really want to shift the conversation over to abortion because they feel like there's a win there. Oh, my gosh. I have an example of that, too, but it's not her. It's somebody else. Oh, but yeah. Go ahead. Uh, so anyway, uh, she was on CNN with Wolf Blitzer, of course. Yes. Um, and she was, of course, talking about abortion and was asked whether or not the president was setting himself up for failure by saying he wants to codify Roe v. Wade because he doesn't have the votes. Right. Uh, to do it without a major change in how Congress actually functions. Okay. Look, I can't get into politics or talk about elections. You know that uh, because of the Hatch Act. So I'm going to be very careful here in what I say as I'm st- standing right in front of the White House here. Look, okay. we're seeing these draconian laws across the country in re- by Republicans <laughs> that are putting forth laws that, again, am- is going to put women's health a- at risk, but also yeah, criminalizing. Yeah, it's terrible. You can't kill babies past 15 weeks. <laughs> I'm not going to get I'm not going to get into politics, but Republicans are reprehensible. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You know that. Uh, doctors for doing their jobs. And if you look just mm. right behind me uh, in Capitol, uh, at the Capitol, you have Senate Republicans who are introducing national bans. And the president says this. If there is a national ban on abortion, it's not going to matter if you're in a red state or a blue state. Abortion will be illegal all across the country. So this is what is at stake. After 15 weeks. Was what Lindsey Graham proposed. Yeah, and they never actually point that out. Never. Of course not. Um, the other example of this was the interview that, you know, old Harpy Pelosi did with Andrea Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Because Andrea Mitchell, I mean, she was sucking up, man. Oh, yeah. All the accomplishments, you people. It's been an extraordinary session. You and the president have done so much in terms of domestic concerns, <laughs> oh, the economy. God. So why is this message... Why do you think the president has gotten this message through the voters? You've done so much for the economy. Jeez. Man. So how does she answer that? Well, first of all, uh, let me say uh, that I think that much of what you've said I don't agree with. That is okay. to say the New York Times poll, I think, is... She talked about the polls and you're trailing and all that. Cite one poll, but all the other it's polls... It's also the real clear politics average no. is showing similar issues. No, but, they, but that was one that brought down the average, and it was an outlier. It wasn't even that big a sample. I just like that little part because it's like... Hey, I'm going to set you up here, but then you call me out, so I'm going to have to come back at you, Haggy. All right? Uh, I've been, uh, since Congress adjourned, I've been in an average of five states a week. And I can tell you uh, that women's concerns about their freedom are very, very much still very 
significant in terms of how they will vote. It's we're talking about freedom now. They're going to be locked up. It's going to be incredible if the Republicans are back in power. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. And th- there's another clip from that that we'll get to a little bit later on that's pretty funny. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin show. Outside of that, big story today is, are you thinking Moderna? I think it is, yeah. The CEO of Moderna is saying uh, that most healthy people under 50 maybe don't really need to have the, the COVID boosters, the, the vaccine boosters. Um, they can do it if they want to, is what he said. You know, if you want to try to avoid getting sick, hey, yeah, no harm, no foul, whatever. But really, when it comes to the distribution of this vaccine, it really ought to be focused on people who are at a very high risk of of serious wow. complications with the coronavirus. Wow, that's going to get in the way of the old narrative mm-hmm. from the CDC yeah. and from Pfizer mm-hmm. because the pressure's on hard there to make kids have to get vaccinated to go back to school. All right, news update and Robin's trifecta straight ahead right here. Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Uh, for your news update, David, um, another clip I was going to play from this interview Andrea Mitchell mm-hmm. had with Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. Two whippersnappers there. <laughs> I, know, I, I watched part of that interview and I all of a sudden just had a hankering for Jack Link's beef jerky. It's weird. <laughs> you know, it smells like mold in there. <laughs> <laughs> Vodka and mold. <laughs> mold, yeah. So as they're talking, and Andrea Mitchell tries to set up Pelosi by saying, it's just incredible, the legislative wins you've had. Why is that not getting through to the people? Like with the economy. <laughs> they're so like, dumb. Are you kidding me? And so then, near the end, Pelosi gives us this nugget. Which is great. Of course we want to fight inflation. It's a global issue. If you've noticed, they've tried to position the whole thing to a global Global issue. Not just here. It's everywhere. Uh But some of the inflation in our country sprang from the fact that this president created nearly 10 million jobs, at least 9 million jobs, working with the private sector. The private sector creates a lot of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 9 million. Yeah. So job creation equals what? Record inflation. How is that possible? Because there's so well, many jobs. Well, so so in, in a vacuum, there is truth to that, that low unemployment does drive up uh, prices because employers are uh, competing for a fewer number of workers and therefore wages go up. And if wages go up, then uh, people buy the stuff, pr- and- people buy stuff and then prices mm-hmm. go up. Yeah. So that businesses can cover those costs, those okay. excess costs. So that does that does work out in normal circumstances. But in this situation, it's not just uh. a low unemployment rate because you have a lot of people who are working now part-time jobs, not full-time jobs, which is a different animal altogether. But he created these jobs out but of he, thin air. But he also didn't, though. They're replacing yeah. but, jobs. But, but, but that's not what they say. But that's... 
Well, they lie. They're liars who lie. Yeah, it's people that went back to work. Yep. They're going to keep trying. You The desperation you really can smell in the air right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, well, they're going to codify Roe, right? Oh, and we're, we're yeah. opening up the uh, the oil reserves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah, that's not to buy votes at all. Heck, no, it's not politics. And before Robin's trifecta, did you have another update, David? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, Corrine Jean-Pierre is just the White House press secretary has taken to the podium uh, after Joe Biden announced that he is releasing 15 million barrels more out of our strategic petroleum reserve because it's a time of war. Are we Whoa. at war with Russia? Hmm. Okay. I thought we weren't at no. war. We're just helping out Ukraine. Here's That's, Co- wow. Here's Corrine Jean-Pierre. It's a historic decision. That's what the, 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 the Strategic Petroleum Reserve are for. They are for these moments, these global challenges, these global market challenges that we're seeing because, uh, in particular, because of this uh, Putin's war. No, it's that's not what it's for. It's if there's a war that affects us directly, meaning somebody mm-hmm. bombed one of our, uh, you know, either what, basically the oil infrastructure in this country, they bomb a refinery yep. or an oil field or something like that, or if there's a natural disaster that takes out a refinery. That's what the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is for. It's to keep it there, not to just keep costs down because Biden decided to kneecap the entire oil and gas industry. Well, if enough people put the Ukraine flag on their Twitter bio, <laughs> then we can get into the oil reserves, right, okay. right? That's what it is. Yeah. Wow. Remember when Donald Trump actually wanted to buy a bunch of oil that was on the market for $25 a barrel and Democrats I, blocked him? I vaguely remember that. Because they said, well, and, and he came out and he said, hey, yeah, we got to restock the uh, Strategic Petroleum All Reserve. Right. Right now, oil prices are in are in the gutter because of the pandemic and because of lockdowns associated with the pandemic. Twenty five dollars a barrel, and now Biden is about to start buying more oil, feasibly at least for between seventy and eighty dollars a barrel. Democrats blocked Trump from doing that because they said it was a big oil bailout at the time instead of buying low. <laughs> because they're idiots. Yeah. They freaked out everything he did. Remember when he said, hey, how about buying Greenland? <laughs> right. Which actually was not an original idea from Trump and has been talked you know. about for decades. You know? Okay. Scott, are you ready? Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Are you ready? One, two, three. It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Robbins brings us his top three, same time every day. Yep. Right now. Helped by his hero. I'm Casey Kasem. Hello, buddy. <sighs> I'm ready. Oh, you're ready to get to it. Three. Number three, the National Hockey League has a diversity chief. That's and, right. And says, newsflash, the NHL is overwhelmingly white. That's too damn many white people in the NHL. So they've hired a diversity chief. Her name is Kim Davis. And they've done their first internal demographic study. And they found out something. What? It's overwhelmingly white! (laughs) (laughs) She's seeing the numbers. She said this is a first step toward fixing what appears to be a huge problem. Okay. 
Because unlike the racially balanced sports of basketball and football, (laughs) hockey is a bastion of systemic racism. (laughs) Now, the best players are in Canada and Russia. But that stuff's going to stop. We're going to start, I guess, building ice rinks in what, Miami? I don't know. I'm dying laughing because we were talking about the diversity, equity, and inclusion movement mm-hmm. the yeah. other day, and a buddy of mine texted me, is this coming to sports? And we both shared a laugh. Ha, well, of course, it never comes to sports, but it has. Mm-hmm. Right. We stand corrected. Yeah, uh, not to mention that maybe uh, people of color would rather play basketball than football because, I don't know, there's more scholarships, number one, and there's a whole lot more money at the end of the rainbow if you get that far. Okay, let me ask you a crazy question, Scott. Did you grow up playing hockey? Did not, sir. Why is that? Uh, because I grew up in the Midwest. And there were no local hockey teams around? Not where... really. There was really, I was didn't grow up around a major metropolitan city where there was a professional hockey team. I could care less about hockey. I learned how to ice skate on creeks that were over, that were frozen during the winter. Okay. So are we talking about, well, ice rink deserts across the United States well, that ice... we need to do something about? Uh, hockey equity? <laughs> yes. I believe that's a real thing now. Hmm. We'll put in a convenience store and a hockey rink. Everything will work out fine. I'll have fresh fruit and be able to ski and skate. This is the dumbest thing. I mean, it's just so it's dumb. Though, I gotta say, everything it's... goes back to it, doesn't it? Everything. Of course it does. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're getting closer and closer. I feel to like I could one. just stop yeah. right there. It's like you know that, but we go on. Yeah. Yes, Scott Robbins mm-hmm. trifecta. There's three of them, and we're up yeah. to two. Uh, number two has to do with the Senate race in Pennsylvania. The far left candidate John Fetterman, who also had a massive stroke earlier this year. You're telling me the campaign has put out a medical report? Well, they were they were being pushed to say, hey, we need to see some medical report here on this guy. So an updated medical record is what everybody wanted. Now, they didn't get that, but Fetterman did release an updated medical report from his doctor on his stroke recovery. The letter says he's recovering well and his health has continued to improve. And his communication is significantly uh, improved compared to the last visit. There you go. What else do you need to know? <laughs> Signed, John's mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, P.S. He's handsome, too. Yeah, he's also very good looking. So this is what you give to, to HR, take, yeah. isn't it? He's improving. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, but, I mean, it's a much bigger question than that. Yeah. Well, of course it is. It's relative, too. Isn't it, like, vast improvement from what? From Exactly. We don't know. We don't know. I don't know, man. Well, I think you brought this up before, David. I mean, Dr. Oz did look over Trump's stuff while oh, yeah. he was running for president. Maybe yeah, Dr. That, Oz could do that for Fetterman. What a, what a weird twist of fate that is, isn't it? A few years ago when Donald Trump was running for president, the media was freaking out about him not releasing medical records or whatever. And mm-hmm. so he got a physical done. And then Dr. Oz, who is running against now John Fetterman in the race, mm-hmm. Dr. Yes. Oz was the TV host that Donald Trump turned to right. <laughs> to interpret the results of his physical. I think we have somewhere like five clips of a preview. You want me to just roll it? Well, sure. From back in the day? Let's talk about stamina. You've, yeah. you've used that word a lot. You've made an issue in this campaign. You argue that a president has to have a tremendous amount of stamina. Uh, if elected at age 70, you'll be the oldest person to ever enter the Oval Office. 
Why do you think you have the stamina for the job? Yeah, just about the same age as Ronald Reagan, and um, and Hillary's a year behind me. <laughs> I would say just based on my life. I mean, I've had. I, I actually, and I don't know if this makes sense. I feel as good today as I did when I was 30. Yeah, it was the whole show I remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at one point he talked about his weight and, ooh, I, yeah, I got to bring that down a little bit. <laughs> Something like that. But, yeah, it was comical so, now to see <laughs> where this is now. Fetterman gets the note you turn into your sixth grade teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, He's doing much, much better since the last time he was here. Yeah, it, it did not say much. Nothing to okay. say. Want another one? Yeah, well, yeah it's the trifecta. It's Scott Robbins' right. top three yep. stories of the day. One. Former White House press secretary uh, and current MSNBC host Jen Psaki is shocked. Shocked, I tell you, over this poll that shows voters are more concerned about the economy than the riot at the Capitol that happened it, more than a, well over a year ago. It is really, really, she is head-scratching to her. She tweeted out, holy moly, Sierra New York Times poll. More than a third of independent voters and a smaller but noteworthy contingent of Democrats said they were open to supporting candidates who reject the legitimacy of the 2020 election as they focused on economic issues. (laughs) People care more about the economy than they do January 6th. She said Democratic voters? Yeah, she said uh, a, a large contingency about the economy. Yeah, than they January don't care 6th. where you were on the January 6th. They don't care where the well, candidate dude, stood. I mean, at some point in time, people understand what happened. It's not just what's been put on NBC and right. CNN. You see footage, different places, cops holding doors open. Yes. I mean, the guy that was like the face of the whole thing, the QAnon shaman, talking to a cop, I mean, having a conversation. But some of you know, no, it, well, he sort of looked like her. Hey, <laughs> hey man. Glad to see you guys. You guys are patriots. Look at this guy. He's got covered in blood. God bless you. Yeah, it was one of the guys that he was bleeding. He talks to the cop. Any chance I could get you guys yeah. to leave the Senate wing? We will. I've been making sure I ain't disrespecting the place. Okay, just want to let you guys know this is like the sacredest place. Yeah, we're looking out for it. No problem. We'll leave. We're just going to get some photos, then we're going to leave. Insurrection! How do you feel about the state of the economy? Supersedes that. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Weird. It? it was yeah. an all out attempted coup. How can that be? Of course. And there you have it. Yes, and that's the trifecta. Scott Robbins. Every day at this time. Well done. Golly. <laughs> Please excuse John from the debates, <laughs> but he is oh. doing better. Hey, that's happening in less than a week. That's what I heard. Wow, that's going to be one that people will actually tune in to. So, yeah. Must see TV, man. All right, Nimrods and the news update straight ahead. Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Another news update, David Van Camp. Well, so Joe Biden is uh, wanting to push forward a plan to refill the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which he has drained in order to try to salvage his political career. Mm-hmm. Um, not for national security. Anyway, 
uh, and we'd be buying it at about $70 per barrel. Now, when Donald Trump wanted to refill and actually really beef up the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, he wanted to do it at $25 a barrel because the oil market had basically crashed as a result of COVID lockdowns. Democrats blocked that. They called it a bailout for big oil. Uh, they are the most short-sighted people in politics, man. It's so stupid. Now, Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, was asked about this. Democrats blocked it, saying that it was a bailout for big oil. But now, President so Biden said today that it would be a good Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about when uh, Donald Trump was trying to sell it at $20 uh, per per, uh, per barrel to, yeah, to buy it. Look, it was a different time then. It was not the same situation that we are currently in. Yeah, because the reserves weren't depleted to dangerously low levels. Jeez. I can see the frustration, David. It's getting to you. It's, so, it's with Scott every day. I, yeah, but, I mean, know. it's short-sighted and stupid is the best I can say about it. And it's freaking dangerous for our own national security. It is. I want to put a smile on your face. I think this will bring a smile. I had mentioned this earlier. It got pushed back. It's gone viral. Has anyone seen the husband that lists all these reasons he's apologized to his wife it's like a greatest hits no <laughs> and when you hear it together it's just well to me it's funny we'll see what you think all right roll it i applied the brakes in order to save our lives i underestimated the trauma that the change in momentum would create for her when i sprained my ankle i had a walking boot and i was limping too loudly up the stairs the thing to do would have been to lay down on my good leg and silently drag my body up the stairs using the railing last night when i was cutting my steak i let my knife touch the plate for a fraction of a second if you always sit in the same place on the sofa your body is going to indent that cushion and ruin the couch so what you got to do is you got to brace yourself with your arms and your core, and you just hover above that cushion. Hover. <laughs> That's pretty it. good. That's pretty good. All right, we got to get the Nimrod. Roll it out. When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dan. It's Nimrod's in the news on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins show. I love the poorly educated. All right. Nimrod's the news. Uh, we go to Syracuse, New York. I know sometimes you got people over, you're ready for them to leave. They're not taking the hint. Okay? Sometimes people have a hard time just saying what they want. You know what I mean, Scott? Yeah, I know. Just have a hard time expressing yourself. Probably like, do. What'd this guy do? He let the shower curtain on fire. <laughs> so, Holy I mean, cow! Oh, yeah, you got the alarm. You got 911. Police show up. Shower curtains burning on the wow. floor. They stomp it out. Uh, 39-year-old Daniel Hart arrested and charged with second-degree arson. It's a felony. Uh, the fire didn't get out of control, but it, all the guests did leave. Holy cow. <laughs> so I guess that mission was accomplished. Yes. <laughs> Just tell them to go. Yeah. Hey, and that's yeah. Nimrod's in the news.